0: Well, I think the music is going to start. I hate to hit start again, just in case it does. Just in case it doesn't, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with Andrea Adams-Miller, the Red Carpet Connection, we are the hosts of Leverage Masters. And we have a fantastic show lined up for everybody this week. With my guest, Tim Connors, who is also known as Tim Possible, which I absolutely love. I can't wait to hear more about your story. Tim is an inspirational speaker, sightless visionary, and America's ambassador of hope. A diagnosis of cancer, going blind in 48 hours, and experiencing heart, lung, and kidney failure it probably mark the end of someone's life, especially for a 15-year-old. But for Tim, it was just the beginning of an adventure he never saw coming. From the intensive care unit of Boston Children's Hospital to the summit of Africa's highest peak, Mount Kilimanjaro, Tim has been inspiring people with the message of hope and just incredible stuff. Tim welcomed the
1: Leverage Masters.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So, you've got to show your story. That just didn't do it justice, I don't
2: think. Well, I always like to start off my freshman year of high school because that's where I think a lot of the things happened that really shifted my life in a direction I never saw coming. I was just like everyone else, you know, remembers freshman year and all the things we thought we knew that were important, all the things we worried about. And we learned later on in life they weren't as important, but I learned uh, toward the end of my freshman year a lot faster. I had to grow up, and that was because on April 3rd of 2010, uh, I'd wake up, I was having a hard time breathing, and my mom said we should really go in and see the doctor. It was Saturday morning, and from there, it was like, oh, we get there, The doctor says you should go to the hospital probably and get this looked at. So we get up, we go home, we get my dad, we go up to the hospital. We get there at about noon. And then I remember sitting there in the hospital room alone, and my dad comes back in. Now my dad's a big guy, he's a Division III national champ in wrestling, three-time All-American. Not the type of person you picture to come in with a look of fear on his face. But I can tell you I never saw anything like it when he walked in. And then he delivered three words that would change my life forever. And those words were, you have cancer. From that moment on, things happened so fast. And like I said, I entered the hospital at noon that day, was diagnosed by 2, and received my first bout of chemo by 4 o'clock. And if my doctors hadn't acted that fast, I would have suffocated from a tumor the size of a football inside of my chest. Oh,
1: my gosh. That was really,
2: yeah. That was the beginning, really, of a a long journey just to start everything. And from there. Keep going. Yeah, it yeah, it was the experience of what they called the new normal at the time. You know, you have cancer and what that looks like and your percentages based off of the cancer you had. I had T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which at the time, I had a good percentage of beating. It was one of the cancers that my treatment was all set out. It was all ready to go. But then I've learned, like I said, some big life lessons, and that is you're never in the clear. Something could always go wrong, and that's what happened to me. I was fully sighted. Up to fifteen years old, and it'd be about three months that I'd be in remission, and I'd end up back in the hospital because I woke up one morning and I had some fuzzies in my eyes and after waving my hand in front of my face, I decided, okay, I just tell my mom and then at that point, we decided it wasn't a luxury anymore to not go see our doctors at the hospital, so we got up and Saturdays, I seemed to love going in on Saturdays. They were about to send us home when the doctors came in, and they said something was wrong. They didn't know why, but the pressure in my head was growing, and they said if they didn't address it, I could have permanent brain damage. Eventually, we learned what happened is my cancer relapsed in my optic nerves because the chemo treatment I was on wasn't attacking the cancer in my central nervous system and penetrating the sheath of my brain. So in about 48 hours, all I remember, is getting wheeled away to eye surgery to lance my optic nerves to relieve the pressure and as we were getting wheeled away I remember calling back in my mom and screaming for her and she was like what's going on are you okay are you in pain and I just grabbed her face and said if I'm going to lose my sight completely I want your face to be the last thing I may ever see and from that um... point on I've now pretty much completely blind a little bit of light perception out of the corner of my right eye that isn't really reliable so I normally just identify as completely blind instead of trying to confuse people because they're like well couldn't you see that and I'm like no I I really can't (laughs) but that was the next big turn in my journey and from there the regular chemo treatments weren't going to work so at that point we decided I needed to receive a bone marrow transplant, and when you go to get a transplant, you need a donor. So my parents wanted to be that person for me, but sadly, neither of them was a match. Now, I only have one brother, and we always fight like cats and dogs, but the good news is not only was he a match, but he was a perfect match for me. And from that point on, we decided we were going to get my transplant at Boston Children's Hospital, got ready, to receive the transplant by having a week long of chemo and total body radiation prior to the transplant on September 10th of 2010. So we're still talking at about a six month period and then things would spiral out of control again. Immediately my body would take a turn for the worse and I'd end up with heart, lung and kidney failure, landing myself a bed in the intensive care unit. At that point, I don't actually remember what was going on, but I got to the point where my parents were told they should prepare for their last goodbyes because I wasn't going to make it. I like to tell people, thankfully, I'm still here today, but that didn't mean things would ever be easy because by the time I would leave the hospital, I was in for over 100 days straight. I'd lost the ability to walk because I had been bedridden so long, and I was receiving my nutrients through IV. I had to spend a year in isolation because my immune system reset and the slightest illness could kill me. And what at first we thought could maybe be a side effect with losing my sight was now something I'd have to deal with the rest of my life, living in a sighted world without mine.
1: Wow. And I thought, I had an incredible story, Andrea. Well,
3: uh, you def- I thought you would love Tim with uh, the combination of uh, both of you having overcome some crazy tragedies um, that actually both of you have made uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, so it's been pretty interesting. So one of the things that Tim hasn't got to share yet is his ridiculous sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't to wait to
0: hear
3: it. Right <clears throat> Oh, just
1: to give you a little background on me, Tim. In the 90s, I had graduated from law school at Notre Dame, went into a legal practice as a litigator. 96, I finally got a chance to apply to teach law at Notre Dame, got accepted, and three weeks later, I got into a car accident that left me in either a hospital bed or wheelchair for nearly 10 years. My first back surgery, which was the first body part they decided to fix, gave me a resistant infection in my spine that just ate through all the nerve roots from my waist down. I was on four IV antibiotics per day, plus 42 pills per day. During a 10-year period, I had over 50 operations, nine reconstructive surgeries on my spine. In January of 2005, my doctors basically said, Gina, we've done everything we can by this point, I had contracted a second resistant infection that was a fungal infection in my heart, my lungs, and my blood. And I said, it's time to go home and get your affairs in order. You've got about 8 to 12 months to live. So my husband and I went home at the time, talked about it. And we wanted to see the country before it was time to die. So he went out and found an RV that he could retrofit with my IV pole, my oxygen, my hospital bed, and within a couple of weeks we hit the road Six months later I had three blood tests At three different hospitals All taken the same week All come back saying I was clinically dead That's how advanced The fungal infection in my blood was Needless to say we thought It was going to be my last birthday Because it was my week of my 41st birthday My husband takes me To see a massage therapist Just hoping to help with the pain for that one day she looks at me and says you don't have to die as soon as you think I expect she's trying to sell me something like everybody else was but she wasn't she went on to tell me that if I could remove the negativity from my life I didn't have to die as soon as I thought and I proudly explained that I had the most positive mental attitude she'd ever met I didn't have a negative mindset she kind of shook her head and said if that's all you've got it's not going to be enough to save your life So I asked a lot of questions during that massage, and by the time I left her office, I was feeling like maybe there's something to the advice she's trying to share. So I spent several months researching and applying as much as I could, and as I did, I went from a wheelchair to a walker to a cane to walking with no assistance at all. I stopped all 42 pills per day and four continuous IVs per day. My hair came back because I had lost all my hair. And in just a couple of months, I went from being on death's doorstep to being 100% well. And that was just the first time I overcame a death sentence from my doctors. (laughs) Four or five times since then, I have actually died. And I am still here to tell about it. So when I say I get it, I really get it. I am still totally disabled. I still have chronic pain, a lot of mobility issues but I do have my sight and I am so grateful for that and I'm grateful for just being alive every single day I wake up in gratitude and I'm sure you do as well
2: yeah I mean just listening to that was amazing but it just brought back I mean I told you when I left I mean I couldn't walk and just but you know getting to the wheelchair to the walker for 30 you know steps was like huge and then leg braces and then to end up on the summit of Kilimanjaro just that you know sometimes I think people like to see, you know, it's like, oh well we're here at that point but it's like, no, it was those hours and those tears and the pain and everything and and I think people like to think it's all over when you know, it's like, okay, well you're gonna live. It's like well it doesn't mean that there's not those problems or things you have to deal with or those side effects from all the different pills and medications you were yeah. on. So I think, you know, just getting to hear your story, too, just, you know, it's just amazing.
1: But we are alive, and I haven't done Kilimanjaro, but I have done a pretty good size one down in uh, Costa Rica. So I get it. It was not an easy thing to do. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro after all you've been through, though. Wow. Yeah, it was. I love
2: it. Yeah. You know, standing up there too with my dad, who had, you know, been through it all with me, my uncle, who's a doctor, who went with us, my friends that I've met along the way, just, you know, just meant a lot to know pushing through and being able to do that. And I love what you mentioned about, you know, your mountain, but your mountain is just as great as mine. And I remember that first time. I was on my Make-A-Wish, and that's really what you know changed my outlook on life was I read a book about a guy named Eric Weinmare and Eric's completely blind, and he climbed the highest mountain on each continent, including Everest. And I remember at that point I thought, well, if he can go do this, well, what's going to stop me in my life? So I remember I got to meet him on my Make-A-Wish. I'd only stopped wearing leg braces about six months prior to meeting him, And I remember all we did was climb a hill, but that hill at that point was my Everest. And I think it's, we all have our Everest. We all have our big goals. And so I, you know, I really try to advise people, you know, different people, different times, different places, different obstacles, but we all have those big goals and it's pushing through and we can all experience that pain in different ways, but it's accomplishing those goals that really are what you know, show that we will persevere, we will keep going, and then not stopping once we reach that one hilltop, but then challenging ourselves to reach the next.
1: So what does a typical day look like for you these days?
2: Well, I like to really give back, like you had said, being blessed to be here. My community of Fulton, New York, near Syracuse, was so, I can't even explain in words just how great they were how they are now and so inclusive and in wanting to help out my family. My family was always a big part of this community. And when I got sick, they came out. So many people, so many different ways. I, like I said, it's hard to put into words how amazing they were. So my local elementary school is about a block from my house. So I do a lot of volunteering there. And it's funny working with the kids sometimes because I have a guide dog. His name is Lang. And he's a black lab. He's a cutie. I think Andrea can attest to that. But we uh, really just go in the school. And it's funny because some days they're like, Lang, Lang. And I'm like, oh, I'm here too. And then sometimes <laughs> just, like, people, they try to explain to their parents, he climbed the mountain. <laughs> so it's just really fun. And the kids really enjoy it. And getting to play a role in their lives and helping them just because so many people have paid it back for me is great. But I mean, other than that, with my, you know, being able to speak and travel is what I do for my business and getting able to share my story, but also help people see that really, I mean, the big message is that the power to control our lives is in our hands, not our circumstances. And it's that realization yeah. that really, you know, there's, there's systems, there's all these different things. People, like you said, you thought someone was trying to sell you something. And it's like, really, it's that, you know, that mindset's so key in whatever you do. And when you can let those fears, those things that are holding you back go, just the power that you can have inside of you to go accomplish things is amazing.
1: Well, and I think the big lesson for me from the massage therapist was it wasn't enough to just have a positive mental attitude. I needed positivity in every area of my life. From my thoughts, to my words, to my actions, to the people in my life and my relationships, I could not experience negativity or it would have kept me in a place of being sick and dying. So I really had to choose what to allow in my life very differently. And my life is so totally different today than it was when I was sick and dying, including big, big relationships that I had to let go of because... They were just the glass half empty not glass half full kind of people, and they kept discouraging me and holding me back and would have eventually helped me to die. Mhm,
2: and I'm I talk sure about... you've
1: experienced that as well,
2: oh definitely. I mean, I've had people come in and say, "Well, you know you need a kidney transplant, <laughs> you know, haven't had to have one yet, all these different things yeah. where people come in. You have people that say you're blind and you're going to go climb a mountain. Like, you know, why are you doing this? Or you go, I played football in high school. I did different sports and tough on my body. But people ask, you know, why? And it's more of those things that I like to think, why not? Because I want to live my life while I'm here. I mean, we never know. You know, I have one of my doctors, I love when he says that he talks to, some of the kids going through cancer and they're like, Am I gonna die? And he says, Well, I have just as much chance of getting in a car accident tomorrow and you outliving me, so we never know. But it's that outlook that we never know what's gonna happen, so why not try and do the most that we can while we're here instead of perseverating and following that negativity.
1: Totally agree with you on that one. So Andrea, why don't you jump in and show some of the stories you know about Tim's humor?
3: Well, should I start with what was in your hands last night, Tim? <laughs> so let me give you an example of how cute and funny he is. <laughs> so I call him last night to make sure he's on for the show and everything's good. And he usually starts our conversations with something hysterical. he's like, well, you'll never imagine what I've got in one hand and why I'm smiling. <laughs> you know? And has this... Um, you know, like innuendo tone that sounds like it should be on Benny Hill and uh, totally laugh. So, you know, he ended up, what did you have, a Pop-Tart?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I called you and I said, you'll never guess what I've got. And, I, and, and of course, I think Andrea really, you know, played it up a little bit. But yeah, as I said, I have a Pop-Tart in one hand. I've got my phone in the other, ready to have a conversation. I'm like, life's good right now.
3: So we just have a, a really good giggle at everything, and he's definitely right. Uh, Lang gets a lot of attention, um, so <laughs> so sometimes I don't know whether they're booking him or Lang, but it doesn't matter because they come together as a pair. And, um, you know, Tim had this... Did uh, Lang climb Kilimanjaro,
1: to?
2: Kilimanjaro, too? No, he didn't climb Kilimanjaro with me. With the quarantine periods and different things and the timeline we were working with, we just thought it would be way too much in addition with all the medical things i'd be dealing with on the climb and you know after doing it and everything it was definitely the right move not to have him go but also you know i laugh i'm like yeah i don't even know if you could put up with it he'd be like now nah, i'm done i'm just gonna go lay over here wait for <laughs> you guys to come back down and grab me <laughs>
3: yeah i thought <don't laughs> that's funny you would have had to have carried him had he had gone he'd be like nope <laughs> pick me up and take me um so one of the cool things, uh, Tim, would you share the story of how we were um, at the Habitude uh, Warrior with Eric Swanson when you heard them announce Frank Shankwitz was in the room and, and the creator, one of the co-creators of the Make-A-Wish Foundation and, and your reaction to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I went to this conference and I was excited to listen to all these speakers. I was just going to be a part of something, you know, really to learn and take away what I could, this Habitude Warrior experience, a combination of habit and attitude. And I'm at this luncheon that I got invited to because I'd gotten to meet some of the speakers and they were interested in having me do a little bit, a little talk during the lunch. And, again, I had no idea what was coming. And then all of a sudden I hear Frank's name announced and I'm like, did they just say the founder of Make-A-Wish? And at that point... I honestly was sitting next to my friend Carrie and I'm just like did I hear what I thought I just heard and I honestly started to cry I really just broke down and then of course I get asked to come up and speak right then but I'm up there I'm a little teary eyed and this is before I get you know, more bigger teary eyed and need a second but I start off and I say I I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that man because, like I said, I chose to meet Eric Weinmar on my Make-A-Wish, and meeting Eric and knowing that there was someone out there with a lot of adversity in their life, but it overcoming two amazing things, that hope in my life really showed me that nothing could stop me if I didn't stop myself. And I really feel like it's those connections in odd ways that if this foundation were never started, I probably never would have met Eric. I wouldn't have gone and adventured with him. I never would have climbed that small hill. If I never climbed that hill, I probably wouldn't have ever made it up the big one of Kilimanjaro either. So it was honestly just a moment where I broke down, and I I'm, then I get to talk and share my speech. And I think Andrea can attest to this, that, you know, I guess there wasn't a dry eye in the audience with all these speakers, and they're telling me this, and I'm thinking, like, you know, the shock on my face, you know, just thinking, well, these are some of, like, the top people out there and you know they're listening to my story and they're touched by it and so it was just a moment you know really I'll never forget just the raw energy emotion and just how sometimes we can't see those connections but sometimes they become clear to us and it's just a wow moment.
1: I'm smiling ear to ear because just a few weeks ago Andrea caused me to have a moment like that on the show when she brought Frank onto the show, not knowing that since the day I can hear you. Can you hear me? Andrea, can you hear me? Tim, can you hear me? I can hear you. See, Andrea did not know that since the day I laid out my bucket list for the first time. One of the items on my bucket list was to meet him. And he shows up on the radio show without any warning at all until I got on the show and Andrea tells me who our guest is. I was so blown away, so I can only imagine what your experience was to meet him
2: in person.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, just, and like you mentioned earlier about, you know, more than hope in my book, It's Impossible Until You Do It when i was writing it i tried to capture that and i say plus action equals success and it's kind of that adventuring outside our comfort mad. zone i mean i never uh went you know i'm traveling these different places i never know what to expect but you know by taking those steps out of our comfort zone doing things sometimes we're not even 100 percent sure what it's going to look like and you're like Well, why are you doing this? Well, just you know, I'm doing it. I think it's going to be great. And, you know, that's the negative sometimes. It's like, why do I have to explain it? You know, I'm going to do this, and I really feel like it's going to be impactful. I'm going to get something out of it. And even if I ever went on one of those things and did something and it didn't pan out, well, at least I did, and I won't think for the rest of my life, well, what if I would have done it? Oh, that's awesome.
3: Andrea, I think I've got you unmuted now. Well, that's okay. You know, Gina's always trying to get me to shut up because I have so much to say. <laughs> I know she doesn't. She, I, keep, I keep losing the call, which is really funny. I'm sitting in the exact same spot. So, um, I mean, Tim, you know, when when you – I want people to be able to not only hear Tim but to experience him. So, all right, so this is – I'm a sitting across – actually I was standing because I was taking pictures across this lunch area when Frank is talking, when all of a sudden I noticed Tim looking around the room. Now, mind you, we said at the beginning of the show, Tim is blind. Tim's body doesn't remember that Tim is blind. It's looking for Frank, and I love it. And I realize that probably it's part of it's auditory for you, Tim, is that you're trying to figure out where in the room he is in relation to where you're sitting. And But I love it because you literally look like you're looking for him physically because your eyes are scanning and your head is turning like, where is he, where is he, you know, through all the people. And Frank gets up and he's walking, you know, towards the front of the room to talk. And that's when I see Tim responding and I know something's coming, something's happening. What's going on that Tim is so attached to Frank? So then when Frank hears him say what has happened and Frank starts to cry because he's so touched, because he's had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of kids who have overcome their illnesses and are, are thriving and doing great things. And it just tears him up, you know. And then, of course, Frank has his new film coming out in just a couple weeks. The Wish Man uh, will be out uh, June 6th and 7th um, is the premiere. Um, I believe one of them's in Hollywood and one's in Vegas, if I remember correctly. And to see Tim and Frank then together, um, and everybody's like, you guys got to get up together, and we're all taking pictures and videos of them. It was an opportunity for everyone to be so filled with joy and to see how people can really change their whole lives. And then when Tim was asked to come up later and speak on stage, oh my gosh and we saw the audience be so enthralled with his story and his passion and his excitement about life and and and, 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 and Tim you really make looking blind so easy and we know it's not how many of us you know are just blinded by the moment and you know are tripping and falling or doing whatever and you have those same things that happen to you but you giggle and laugh like when you went to get off the stage um you just laughed about it when you couldn't see the step, and, and everybody just reacted so in humor with me. Oh, it yeah, bad. when when I'm... I missed
2: the step, you mean?
3: <laughs> yeah, yes, let me <laughs> Yeah, I was, that, like,
2: yes. one or two down, <laughs> and then I all of a sudden I just went to the left and just straight down, and I, st- you know, I was fine. And I, everyone went like, oh, <gasps> and I just didn't follow or anything. I just went down a couple steps faster than I should have.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
3: right in stride and that's i mean to me those are the even bigger lessons tim it's watching you and who you are what you say is very very impactful what you teach is very enlightening but who you are and how you are experienced to me is so amazing so amazing and uh uh, you know, instantly, Ken and I uh, fell in love with you. And then I suppose we should tell the story about how we actually met and didn't know we'd met.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I've got you to go ahead, i got to hear that story.
3: So uh, I'll set it up. So Tim and I are talking. And um, I was talking with Kerry, his his friend and and the person who was the companion to help him on this trip. And she seemed really familiar to me. I just felt very connected to her, which was really ironically funny. And the more we talked, the more I I think I said to you, Tim, I don't remember, like, gosh, I feel like I know you. I just feel like I know you. And we're like, nope, and let it go. And then um, I took a selfie of Tim and I, and I texted it to him. And when I texted it to him, he made this really weird face. I saw him. Listen to his phone, like, because he had gotten the – and I'm assuming his phone was telling him, you received a photo image from, you know, an unknown number. Oh, and no, he has Andrea, this, you, you,
2: you're not doing this justice yet. <laughs>
3: so you go right over and you, take over. You send,
2: you send me the picture, and then I'm thinking, why is she sending me a picture? And then all of a sudden she's like, Carrie, I know you. We've met somewhere. Carrie, Carrie. And all of a sudden, she's like, Tim, why are you already in my phone contacts? So she can't figure out why I'm in her phone already. So then she texts me saying, and all of a sudden it clicks for me, because it goes, Andrea, the woman who spoke about sex at Ithaca College. And I'm laughing because (laughs) everyone who comes to speak at Ithaca College I always try to get their information, reach out to them, because speaking something that I do, and I love learning and being involved and getting to meet other people, and forming those relationships. So it goes off, and I'm like the, you know, kid in the candy store, like I know why I
0: know you.
2: And so it gets better though, because not only did we meet my freshman year of college, which was in the winter that year, which is a story in itself, but then. We're talking, and I went to this conference that summer on the UCLA campus. Turns out Andrea was one of the speakers there, but I didn't know oh my her goodness. name was the Lady in Red. So I'm putting two different people. I have Andrea, who came to college, but the Lady in Red is the woman on stage speaking. So I never put together that they're the same person. So we were just laughing. We had met twice before this conference. And now, you know, we're really, you know, talking all the time, working on different projects and things, really trying to get out there. But it was just so funny. And even now, like she says with the humor, she'll send me different things and I'll be like, oh, well, uh, thank you. Because I'm like, oh, I can't see this. And she'll just text back and say, I didn't even think about <laughs> it. But yeah, it honestly was just one time. of those moments. You can't make it up.
3: I thought it was too funny. We, I, we were talking on the phone. I was driving home from Washington D.C., and we're talking. It's late at night, and all of a sudden, it was a big, huge, orange-red moon. But the way it it showed to me in the road, it was. I didn't realize it was the moon, and I, because I came through the hills in Pennsylvania, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "You've got to see this, Tim." And I take a picture of it. And I said, "I just sent it to you," and he goes, "Really? Did you? Did you think I was going to see it?" <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. So I've decided I'm going to send him pictures anyways, just because you can know I'm thinking about him. (laughs) (laughs) And then he can call me and say, what did you just send me a picture of that I can't see?
1: (laughs) So for our listeners' benefit, I hope they really get that even when there are challenges, Humor is so important,
2: isn't it, Tim? It is, and uh, I talk about viewing the world optimistically, and one of the big things I love to do, especially with younger – I mean, I speak to all different audiences, whether it's business professionals, whether it's non-for-profits for for big galas, whether it's even high school or elementary school students. They're all unique, all important, but a lot of the times it's that same message – Maybe it looks different in a different environment, but I always try to talk about you have to be able to laugh. You have to be able to smile. You have to be that positive person. And I always like to tell a story then that I want to share with you, and it's about my guide dog. So I talk about him at Ithaca College, and it's raining out. And for some reason, my dog is really, like, anti-water. So he even, like, will walk around the puddle and walk me through the puddle so he doesn't have to walk through the puddle. And oh, we getting inside. Oh, yeah. It gets better. So we're inside. He hasn't gone to the bathroom, and all of a sudden he stops. And I'm thinking, is there food? Is there something on the ground? Like, what's going on? I feel down, his butt's to the ground. Now, when the butt's to the ground, that means one thing. And number two's coming. <laughs> so no. I'm in the hallway, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do at this point? So part of me's freaking a Part of me's like, Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Am I just not going to go to class? What's going on here? And then I realized I just had to laugh. So I get out one of the poop bags, pick it up, wait for some girl to come by, and I say, is there poop on the floor? And she probably gave me a look, and I'm <laughs> glad I probably couldn't see it. <laughs> and finally I walk to class. I get in. I'm about five minutes late. They're just getting started, and I go, uh, <laughs> Professor, I've got a story for you. And I've got a great excuse to go with us. why I'm late. And then for the little kids, I like to say, Now i got to teach Lang to eat my homework. And they all get everything. But it's just. I love it. You know, the, those kind of moments.
3: Teenagers, when you talk to teenagers and college kids, I want you to say that that's your new pickup wine.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's just, you know, it's just amazing too, you know, because I tell that story. And even sometimes when I frame it for, you know, the business professionals and think, you know, everyone's a person. Everyone can appreciate it. Everyone can kind of picture, you know, it's those moments that we all share and comment. Jonathan Sprinkles, my speech coach, you know, shout out to him. And he talks about these bus stop moments where everyone can be like, I can totally picture this, like, happening, like, something weird with my dog. Like, my dog would do this or something. And I think it's those moments that we show that we're really more connected than we're apart that are really important and can touch people on all levels, no matter where they are. Well, our service dogs
1: really are conversation pieces, aren't they? I have a little long-haired chihuahua who rides around in my walker basket. He's an emotional support dog. And he goes everywhere with me. But any place we go... I get lines of people who are coming over to see Popeye. I can't go to someplace and not get involved in conversations because Popeye ensures it. It just happens every time. You
2: and know, that's that what really I talk funny. about the difference with the cane is with the cane I'm walking around and I think people were kind of hesitant to come up to me because they, they thought I was so focused or doing things. When it's ironic, I probably have to focus more with the dog to make sure he's going the right way. But the dog kind of took me from that wallflower position to someone that people felt approachable. Like, oh, you have a dog. You know, this is cool. And so even if it was just, you know, to come over to see the dog, it was opening me up to conversations and opportunities. And, Andrea, you know that. You were with me at the conference. How many people wanted to come up and say hi? And so even at points, I would put him out of his harness so people could come up and pet him. Now again disclaimer for everyone listening, not everyone is the same with their guide dogs and when they're not working we'll allow petting and different things, but I tend to be pretty comfortable with that and you know as you I can show you a test to it Andrea. He he does great, you know, knowing when he's working and when he can play. Yeah, I do as yeah, well.
3: Yeah, you you've set up really good boundaries for him, the difference between and um and yeah, so we do need to put up that for other people that um uh, some people do not want their dogs uh, touched or talked to at all, and as part of it's the training, part of it's the boundaries. You know, um, you know, some of it's for the person. Um, you know, it, it just everybody's level is different, and it's not personal to you. It's not that they don't like you. It's not that they don't want you to touch their dog. It's that the dog is a has a job, and just like you wouldn't want. Um, you know, like let's say you go to the, a restaurant to eat. You don't want that person's boyfriend hanging out with them behind the counter whether are cooking your food or whatever. And, and then the boyfriend's friend's coming over to visit the boyfriend while that person's cooking your food. Same thing. The dog is working. He doesn't need to have friends right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you need to ask. And if they say no, no means no. Because <laughs> all the time I hear people... Well, no I'm
2: laughing please. right now, Andrea, because... I have got really to does, take this call, it's right probably going to make
1: guitar music. I'll be right back.
2: Yeah, okay. my dog she, literally... She said she's going to... Oh, nope.
3: she just cut us off. Uh-huh. I'm back. There, okay, cool. Okay. Um, so your dog literally what? <laughs>
2: so as soon as she said he, he doesn't need friends right now, he got up and, like, rolled over, like... I don't need what, Andrea? No, he can't hear the phone right now. It's up to my ear. But he got mm-hmm. up like, I heard that.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, that's too
2: funny.
3: I love it. Yeah, it's been really interesting because, um, you know, Tim has so many different um, situations in his world that we take for granted. And it, I love it because uh, one of the things I've been telling him that, so, like, I'm part of this Keep Smiling movement. And, of course, we took Tim's picture, but it bothers me that Tim can't see it. So I actually said, gosh, we, I, I never realized this. Like Picture books um, for children who are blind need a, an audio component so that we can tell them and describe what's in the pictures or create a feeling so that the pictures are raised or different so that we can feel the, the differences of people and the situations that they're in it just made me very moved and motivated to create those situations for people through different um,
2: modalities.
3: So now I'm really excited about creating uh, uh, books for children that have an audio component that you, uh, you know, because children, children of all ages and abilities have cell phones nowadays. And if there is an app on the pages of the phone where the, and if there's a a reader app, a PDF, the kids can hold their phone over their book and read the book or hear the book and and it could be in braille and it could give a description of the pictures so that they can take those things in so I love it I just love the I love the the creativity that Tim has caused me to have by being in my life
2: well I'm just laughing right now again because I have a two-year-old nephew and he hasn't quite grasped on to the whole blindness thing so Tim Reed. So, well, at this point, I've got one of the books down pat. So I open the first page, and I go, okay, Griff, so what does the dog say? Woof, woof. And I'll just go through the book again. Again. we got to go through the cow, the sheep, the kitty cat. It's not just the cat. It's the kitty cat. So it's just so oh, funny. Oh, that's being too funny do it and I and then half the time like he does I could say different things. It's just that I know that there's a cat there. And he's like, Oh, that's good enough for me if you're reading
1: <laughs> That's too funny. So well, our listeners are mainly entrepreneurs and oftentimes because of my story, they're people that have adversity in their life. What is the big message and lesson for them from this show?
2: I would say, again, that message I mentioned of the power to control your life is in your hands, not your circumstances. But I think really when we climbed the mountain, we called it Mount Impossible. But it was cute because the T in Mount and the IM in Impossible form Tim. So Mount Tim Possible. And Love with it. that, it was live life fully, make a difference, redefine possible. And so to live life fully, is kind of even sometimes like Andrea says, you know, just sometimes I go in a room and it might just light up or something or you hear a story or someone does something and just laughs. And I feel like sometimes people don't realize just by living their lives to the fullest that not being positive, not letting obstacles fall on their path, but just seeing possibilities that can really change the world in itself. But then going out to make a difference for those entrepreneurs out there, not Really getting in things for the money, but thinking, you know, what is entrepreneurship really in essence? It's identifying a problem, it's solving that problem, and then it's your solution is what people are buying. You know, they want to know what they can get in their lives or have that is that solution. So making a difference is really a big aspect of what are you going to do to change things and make things better. And then finally, redefine possible is the big one for me because nothing great ever was accomplished because people knew it was possible it was people who challenged the views of society said i'm not going to accept the status quo those are the big leaders those are the people we remember throughout history because they were willing to challenge things and not see what everyone else saw they had a vision they followed it through and even though they weren't 100 percent sure all the time what was going to happen they followed through with it and so i feel like that's really those three messages are so strong and even at the time, I haven't realized you know, how powerful that message was. But the more and more I look at it, it really sums up in a lot of ways that live life fully, make a difference, redefine possible, what you can do with your life to make it worth it while you're here.
1: And the other thing I've heard you allude to during the show, Tim, is you might not know how, but that's not the important part. Just be and do and the how will figure itself out.
2: Yeah, and that's one of the big things uh, I just actually created and put up. I'm, I'm lucky to be starting to build a team more to expand and get out to more people to help them. And so I just put up these top three tips for turning dreams into reality out there because I believe succeeding with others is succeeding in life. So like I said, I like to give back, but in some ways, you know, I, I mentioned why speaking is so great, because you can reach more people than if you were in one place doing one thing for me, and so that really helps. But now getting on the Internet, being able to put out things for people to take advantage of, and one of the big ones in there for the points is taking action, and it's that you don't need to have the perfect thing. We, I'm bad, you know, the paralysis of analysis. Sometimes we overthink things so much that we don't do anything. I know some people talk about their 3.0 copy. Like, do it. Maybe it's not perfect. Get some feedback. Fix it. You'll get some more feedback. Fix it again. And eventually you end up with that thing that other people see. Again, the standing on top of the mountain. But it's all those things leading up to it that make it possible. And if you don't take that first step, then you're never going to get to that final moment.
1: Very, very true.
0: I love it.
2: So oh, where are you also... speaking in the near future? Hmm, I'm trying to think. Well, Andre and I are putting some different opportunities out there, some different podcasts we're going to be featured on. And then, Andre, I'm trying to think. We have a show coming up next uh, is it Tuesday?
3: Next I'm Monday. going to be on
2: oh, Monday. Yep. Yeah. uh, uh Andrea does a good job, you know, keeping me, you know, in check, because she's like, what calendar do you use? And I'm like, well, I like my Word document. And she's like, oh, so how are we going to sync? I'm like, I'll just send you what I've got in my calendar. So it's always, you know, fun (laughs) communicating and going through all that. But it really, it's just those different opportunities. I've got one coming up in the fall that'll be really cool being a part in the, Oh my goodness, I can't even think whose tour it's going to be, Andrea, but it's the one through Eric's program with Habitude that I'm going to be involved with. So a lot of cool opportunities. Again, you know, as they keep coming, our goal we're working on, and we've already started getting booked to do speaking in a college in every state across the country because my big goal in 2020 is to bike across America. As my next big endeavor wow. and, and That as is I was a doing big that, one I really Is that I thought it'd be cool To get to visit every state And speak to a different audience To really get to know people And get to see the climate Especially in today's world And it really centers around that idea Of the redefined possible Because we're so separated right now And the big aspect of doing this Is we're so focused on fighting each other That we can't fight for something bigger and better and so as long as we stay separated and divided we're not going to accomplish anything to make anyone better off and it's really this idea of right across america reach across the aisle redefine possible and bringing people together and showing them that there's so much more we can be doing and how can we focus on living our dreams if we're so focused on crushing others And those are the big things we're focusing on doing and with our, you know, what we can do and really bringing that to a movement to hit people. And I think it's interesting for me. I know a lot of speakers, you know, are definitely, you know, 30s, 40s, you know, 50s, 60s. And so being only 24 and being able to get out there and share my story just provides a different aspect and a different outlook, but it also really, I think, can provide hope and inspire people to want to take action and do things because I'm not going to let one second slip by and stop living my life. And instead of having people look at me and be like, he's the outlier, I want to say, no, this is everybody. And I want to get you to that point as well. Cause again, succeeding with others is succeeding in life.
1: I love it. Andrea, I think I stepped on you earlier, so go ahead.
3: Oh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, he, he, I'm just so impressed with him. I enjoy being around him, and I enjoy to see how other people respond to him in so many various audiences. It's been very exciting. And there are bigger things happening. So a lot of them we're not at liberty to say yet because we don't have the contract signed. Um, and some of the things are happening very fast and furious. Um, at this point, we're even looking at possibly um, an inclusion for him with a Think and Grow Rich Tour Um, and uh, he may be joining me in Chicago this weekend. So it's just a matter of of timing, getting everything in place, and making sure all the uh, travel plans can happen and everybody has the time and opportunities to create it. And, you know, this is, uh, um, you know, things that Tim is creating in his life. And uh, so as far as moving forward in the future for this biking Across America, I'm super excited about this because it's an opportunity for us to find people who want to help ride. We, we are looking for a rider who wants to be the lead because he's going to ride as a tandem. So, for those of you who are wondering, how am I actually going to ride a bike? Okay, you don't have to worry. He'll be safe. <laughs> it's still work, um, but he won't be the one um, operating the handlebars, right? <laughs>
2: Ah, who knows? You know, that could be a fun one. We get the picture of me just on the front of the bike steering.
3: Well, I think if we get you on a clear path where there's no potholes, I think that's a great idea. And I actually think that you could do it very well um, if you just have someone guiding you, like, to the left, to the right. I I, I mean, honestly, I really do believe that you could ride the bike and lead it and do really, really well. It's the obstacles of other people that we're not anticipating (laughs) that are more of a problem (laughs) than you. Uh, uh, isn't like that everyone in for life? driving? You know, I don't have to worry
2: about myself. I gotta worry about them other people.
3: <laughs> exactly. And gotta make sure both of you are paying attention at the same time. And uh so we're looking for uh writers, you know, um maybe one main writer or multiple riders, uh, to ride with and we're looking for sponsors, uh, to help him uh, go across to help, you know, fund the whole rigmarole and looking for ambassadors along the way tim has also referred to it you know as and you mentioned it in the bio as the ambassador of hope and so we're looking for other ambassadors of hope that want to help support him so that way as yes, he comes across through every city i i mean personally i want a band playing i want the you know uh fire and police come to come and escort i i want the cheerleaders out there cheering i want you know Dance teams out there performing. You know, I I'm excited about all the people um, coming out and you know and him acknowledging their city and coming through and speaking at the colleges that he wants to, uh, so that he can really make a difference. And I really love it that, you know, he is on a mission for politics as well. That people stand up and have a vote and have a voice. And that's really exciting to me to have, you know, this passion of inclusivity and creating community. And I know he's going to do it because he does make the impossible to impossible.
1: (laughs) And where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're up to?
2: So right now, big places are on social media, uh, I have my Tim Possible public figure Facebook page that I'm on, but I also have my Tim Connors account if people want to follow that, where I post a lot of the fun journeys and experiences going on. My website is timconnors.com, and my last name is C-O-N-N-E-R-S. I know a lot of people hear Connors, they think you know, C-O-N-N-O-R, but it's E-R-S, or timconnors.com. And right there, that's where you can kind of sign up. To get involved with a lot of different things maybe learn more about me we have different uh plans for people that get emails from me including those tips that I mentioned for turning your dreams into reality and there it will have a lot more information about if anyone's interested about having you know reaching out just to say hi leave me a message about good job or reach out for having me speak or in other cases they just want to find out more about me and say, you know, maybe why do I want to be a part of this? Why is, you know, Tim different? And so we try to put as much up there to show them what's going on. In addition, on the Facebook page, my public figure Tim Possible page, we have a about a seventeen minute documentary of the climb of Kilimanjaro. So we actually had a film crew come with us, so that's pretty cool as well
1: love it, thank you so much, Andrea. any final thoughts? well
3: you know tim you know i it's funny 'cause so so for people who are wondering so tim possible he it's spelled t i m space possible as if his last name is possible and um and but when you think about it, when you put impossible and you put the t in front of it, that's when it becomes possible is when you add the ingredient of Tim to the mix and uh, you know I want people to be inspired and invigorated by you and what you're doing and and, you know get excited about who you are Tim and to get on board um you know because it's a lot of different things that are happening here and so many different things that he's been through that I want people to share and just just so that they can fall in love with you like everybody that I've everybody who meets you falls in love with you it's hysterical um It's all about Tim. (laughs) Okay, really Lang, but Tim. (laughs) And I think, you
2: know, we talk about that message for people to take away, you know, just be excited. Be, you know, happy, inspired to go out and do something. I hope by listening people really feel that, you know, they can go do what they want to do in their lives. They don't have to be held back. And then if they start to question that, they just think, well, you know, I'm just going to go do it anyways. And that's really that big message is that excitement because I feel like when you're excited, you're passionate. When you're passionate, you can cause things to happen. You can cause things to happen. You can make a change. You make a change. You make the world a better place. So all of that together, just be excited and go live your life to the fullest. Oh,
1: beautiful advice. Beautiful, beautiful advice. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you so much, Andrea, for arranging it. Thank you, Tim, for sharing your stories with us. If there is ever anything at all that I can do to help with your business or anything else, please just let me know.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And
1: Andrea and I will be
0: back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a fantastic, exciting week, everybody, and stay positive.